Today we're continuing in our message series, Keep Your Dream Alive. Now this whole series is about the life of Joseph, which is uh, told, described in Genesis chapter 37 through 50. And God gave Joseph two dreams that really set the course of his life at the young age of 17. And the dreams had to do with Joseph becoming a leader over his brothers. In fact, uh, eventually a leader over his family, which became the whole nation of Israel. But the fulfillment of those dreams was a long ways off. It wasn't going to come when Joseph was 17. It wasn't going to come when Joseph was 18 or 20. It was in the distant future. And Joseph would have to go through some, some severe attacks, some disappointments, some setbacks, things he couldn't possibly have foreseen before those dreams came to pass. And so Joseph's story is a story that can teach us a lot of principles for today. Today, my, last, my message is entitled, Trust God with Your Dream. We're not looking at the story of Joseph just to learn what happened thousands of years ago. We're looking at the story of Joseph to see how it applies to our lives today. And just as God gave Joseph dreams about his life, God wants to give you a dream for your life. Now, you might not just have that dream as you lay sleeping and dreaming at night. God communicates his dreams to us in many different ways. But God's dream for your life has many facets. His dream for your life encompasses every area of your life. Some important areas we talked about last Sunday were your job, your family, your ministry, different areas that God has a dream for your life. Last Wednesday, we had our monthly prayer and praise night, which is on the third Wednesday of the month. And we talked about God's dream for this church. And uh, that was an uh, important, important uh, talk, and we'll be speaking more about that in the future. But this morning, if you're not sure about God's dream for your life, as we go through this series, begin to seek Him, begin to ask Him, God, I want to know your dream for my life. Perhaps you're facing some decisions in life, and you don't know whether to go to the right or to the left. You say, God, I need to know. I need direction. I need your dream for my life. And as you ask Him... He will show you because God wants you to know his plan for your life. How can you follow his plan if you don't know what it is? He wants you to know and he's going to reveal it to you as, as you seek him. And yet every dream that a person has from God is going to be attacked. Every dream is going to be attacked. Why? Because we have an enemy. His name is Satan and he's going to do whatever he can to derail God's dream for your life. Satan will try to get you to pursue dreams that are not from God. There's all kinds of dreams. Every dream that a person has is not from God. There are dreams not from God. And people pursue those dreams to their own detriment. And it will get you off track if you pursue a dream for your life that's not from God. Satan will attempt to put roadblocks in your life to delay or stop God's dream, from your life, God's dream for your life from being fulfilled. He'll try to get you to give up on pursuing God's dream. When these attacks come, oftentimes people say, hey, this isn't going to happen. It's impossible. can't possibly happen. I, I guess I haven't heard from God. And they give up, they stop, and the dream never comes to reality. But God's word tells us that nothing can stop God's dream for your life. If you continue to believe in it, if you continue to pursue it, if you continue to seek God's help. 
No person can keep you from fulfilling God's dream for your life. No set of circumstances can stop God's dream from being fulfilled in your life. And we're going to see how that's true in the life of Joseph. Hebrews 6.12. Now in your bulletin, there's a white page. I'd encourage you to take that out. On the white page has the outline to the message written out with the verses. And on the back side is a study guide. Something that you can dig in a little more deeply to the subject of the message and our life groups that meet during the week. We'll look into it following that, using that as a discussion guide as well. Hebrews 6.12 says, We do not want you to become lazy. I don't want to be lazy. Anybody here want to be lazy? I see no hands. That's very good. We do not want you to become lazy. We want you all to be hard working. It says, we want you to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Now, if we look at this whole passage around Hebrews 6.12, it's speaking of how Abraham, who was Joseph's great-grandfather, how he inherited the promise of Isaac. God promised him a son in his old age. And through faith and patience, that dream, that promise was fulfilled. For you see, God's dreams for your life are really promises. They're promises of what God wants to do in your life. If you believe them, uh, if you follow God in them, if you continue in faith, if you have patience, if you don't give up, then God's good dreams for your life, which are different than God's dreams for my life, are going to be fulfilled. And that's going to be a wonderful thing. So what do we need to see our dreams come to pass? Well, we need to believe that with God, nothing is impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. You see, the dreams that God has for our lives often are, are difficult. They're not something that we can do in our own strength. But with God, all things are possible. God will provide a way to help your dream come to reality. And when challenges will come, then you need to trust God with your dream. Challenges will come. Don't try to Make that dream come to pass in your own strength, but trust and rely on God. God has all the power. He has all the resources that you need to fulfill his dream for your life. Now let's review the story of Joseph a little bit before we move on with it today. Joseph is currently the youngest of 11 sons. Another one is going to come in a little while. So there'll be 12 sons of his father, Jacob. Jacob was the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. And so we're looking at Joseph's life. Joseph is 17 at this time. He's his father's favorite son. And his father has made it known to the whole family that Joseph is his favorite son because he gave him a coat of many colors. A coat unlike any other coat. He was the only boy, probably the only person in that whole area to have a coat like that. It was probably a very expensive coat, very special, unique coat. And Joseph has just had two dreams. We already mentioned them, dreams that he was going to rise to a position of leadership over his brothers. Now in those days, and age, those, uh, days, the eldest brother was always in authority over his youngest brothers. But Joseph was the youngest and his dream was that he was going to be in a leadership position over his brothers, in fact, over his mother and father. Now that was considered un unthinkable in those days, but yet that was his dream. Now his brothers didn't like Joseph. 
They thought he was arrogant. They thought he was proud. They didn't like him. In fact, the Bible says they hated him. And they were letting him know it. And so Joseph's life was not going too well at the moment in his family. And things were about to get a whole lot worse. And so the first lesson we're going to learn about trusting God today is that be faithful where you're at. Now, this principle, being faithful where you're at, is true whether you feel that you've received a dream from God for your life or not. We've already seen that Joseph was faithful in serving his father even before he had these dreams. And if you haven't received a clear dream from God for the rest of your life or at least for the next stage of your life, be faithful with where you're at. You're at some place right now. And if you're faithful where you're at right now, God's going to get you to the next place he wants you to be in the future. Many people want to jump ahead to their dreams fulfillment and they run ahead of God and they get into all kinds of trouble in their lives. You're going to get to where you're supposed to be as you're faithful where you're at. And we're going to see this displayed in Joseph's life in a number of ways, multiple times. No matter how difficult or dire the circumstances in Joseph's life were, he always exhibited a life of integrity, a life of character, a life of faithfulness. Joseph's story is the longest story about any particular person in the, in the book of Genesis, and yet there's not one negative aspect of his life mentioned. And so he's an example to us of faith and integrity. And we learn from his life to submit to authority. Let's look at verse 13. It says, Israel, which is another name for his father Jacob, Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, and I'm going to send you to him, to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks, and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. So at this time, Joseph must have known that his, his brothers did not like him. I mean, it must have been very apparent. It says they never spoke a kind word to him. And so his brothers didn't. Didn't like him at all. In fact, the Bible says they hated him. And yet his father asked him to go check on his brothers. A long distance from where he was at. Check on his brothers and, and flocks. And Joseph said, very well, I'll go do it. Dad, whatever you say, I'm going to do. He was being sent almost 50 miles away. He couldn't just hop into his car and buzz down the freeway and be there in a half an hour. He had to walk or go on a donkey or some such form of travel. But he went willingly. Now Joseph didn't let his dream go to his head either. I mean, he just had a dream that his father would bow down to him. I'm glad my boys haven't had such a dream. Uh, because <clears throat> I think it might mess with their heads, you see. And Joseph, it didn't do that. He didn't say, hey dad, I had this dream and... You got to listen to what I have to say now from now on. He said, no, dad, I'm going to do whatever you want. Somehow he understood that this dream was for the future and God was going to bring it about. For right now, he was going to be faithful where he was at. He was going to be faithful to his father's authority and submit to it. He also trusted God to help him. 
And so Joseph went to look for his brothers. Verse 15, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, where are, what are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. And so Joseph was out there around Shechem, wandering around in the fields. The cell phone coverage was not good, and he couldn't get in contact with his brothers. His brothers were about 12 miles away in this place called Dothan. But yet, you know, how could he have found them? God sent a man. Right there, when he's just wandering in the fields, a man shows up who knows where his brothers are. It's God's providence. God was there to help him. He might never have found them if that man hadn't showed up. Now, what's about to happen with his brothers is going to seem very negative. Very, very negative at first. But it was part of God's plan to fulfill Joseph's dream. And so, we also need to trust God to help us. There may be times when we're following God's direction and we're wandering around in the fields. Oh, we don't know where to go. We don't know which way to turn, but God's going to help us. He's going to send somebody. He's going to make the road ahead visible so that we can carry on with what he's calling us to do. Now, why is it so important to be faithful where you're at in order for your dreams to be fulfilled? It's important because what we do today is sowing the seeds for tomorrow. What we do today is sowing the seeds for our future. Your faithfulness to God and where he's put you today is preparing for an even brighter tomorrow. It's preparing for his dream for your life to be fulfilled. And so this example of Joseph, it speaks to us in a number of ways. It speaks directly to children who are still at home under their parents' authority. You see, Joseph was 17. He was still at home under his father's authority. It speaks to young adults and college stud students. Be faithful where you're at. Children, the Bible says, obey your parents. Students, learn from your teachers and be the very best that you can be and in your studies. And as you do, you're planting good seeds that are going to sprout up and bring a fulfillment to God's dream for your life in the future. Parents, be faithful to raise your children in the ways of God. Our society today is no longer Christian. There are many trends in society that you're going to have to buck, that you're going to have to push back against in order to raise godly children. But as we as parents are faithful in following God's ways, we're planting godly seeds into our children's lives. And those seeds are going to one day grow up and bring a harvest of blessing in the future. Spouses, if you're married today, God has a dream for your marriage. He has a dream for your ministry together. Be faithful to God's word in your marriage and the blessings will come. And if you're single, be faithful to God's word and he will guide in your future. And if your spouse is not following God or going to church as many are not, you keep doing the right thing. You keep following God. You keep being faithful where you're at. And God will bring his dreams for your life to pass. Not only must we be faithful where we're at, but we must not be discouraged by attacks 
I find that many believers are surprised when difficulties, when tribulation, when, when uh, setbacks happen in their lives. Things happen they don't expect. Things, things happen that really don't fit in with what they conceive God's dream for their life to be. Oftentimes they get discouraged. They, they wonder if God is in control. I mean, how could God allow this to happen to me? But don't be surprised. Don't, don't be discouraged by attacks. Attacks are really saying that you're on the right track. Because if you're doing what God wants you to do, the enemy is going to attack your life. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Circle that word, everyone. If you want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, if you're a believer today, this verse says that you're going to be persecuted. There's going to be attacks that are going to come against you and your family. Why? Because the enemy, Satan, does not want you living a godly life. And so he's going to attack you and try to stop you from living this godly life that God wants you to, wants you to live. And so if you're seeking to fulfill God's dream for your life, you're going to be persecuted or attacked. Satan will try to destroy you. Genesis 37, 18. Let's go on with our story. It says, They, that's speaking of Joseph's brothers, they saw him coming in the distance. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Wow, what a sentence. Joseph's very own brothers were going to kill him. They figured, they could figure it out. He was 60, 70 miles away from his father. No one would ever know. It was time to get rid of him. They wanted him out of their lives. They wanted him out of their family. They hated him. And they were going to kill him. Now, who was behind this evil desire to murder their brother? What well, was Satan? He's the one who's inspired every murder. From the very first murder, it was two brothers, was it not? Cain killed Abel, the very first murder. Inspired by Satan himself. Now that doesn't take the responsibility off of the brothers or Cain, uh, but there is a tempter who tempts people to do absolutely evil, wicked things. Somehow Satan knew that through Joseph, and the fulfillment of his dream, God's plan down through the ages that would culminate in the coming of Jesus Christ would be fulfilled. It was all part of God's plan of redemption and he wanted to stop it way back then by killing Joseph. And so Satan's motive is to destroy people who are following God's dream for their lives. It's also to try to distinguish the very dream. The brothers go on to say in verse 19, Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. And so not only did the brothers want to kill Joseph, they wanted to extinguish his dream. They didn't like his dream. They didn't want to bow down to anybody. They wanted to be on the top of the heap. And so too, Satan wants to extinguish every God-given dream that any one of us have. The brothers figured out an alibi. They had it all figured out. Their plan was complete. Ten brothers, one of Joseph. I don't think it was a fair fight. 
What would become of Joseph? What would become of his dreams? Would it be the end of everything? Now, we don't have time to explore this in any kind of detail this morning, but Joseph is the most complete type of Christ in the Bible. His life parallels the life of Christ in many ways. He began as a beloved son. He was betrayed and attacked by those closest to him. Well, see, he was sold for so many pieces of silver. And finally, he rose to a position of leadership. There are many more parallels that you can think about on your own. But my point this morning is that each of us who are believers here this morning are, are Christians. We are followers of Christ. And so we're going to encounter the same things that Christ did in fulfilling his dream. We're also going to encounter similar things that Joseph did in fulfilling his dream as well. And so you and your dream are going to be attacked. Don't be surprised. It's going to happen. Don't be surprised when somebody you know who's a believer who's following God goes through some tough times. Because God's dream for their life will be attacked. He has a dream for you in this church. He has a dream for you in ministry. And who's going to be opposed to that? Satan. He doesn't want you living for God. He doesn't want you serving God. He'll recruit whoever he can to oppose it. To oppose you and God's dream for your life. It might even be members of your own family. Who is opposing God's dream for Joseph's life, it was members of his very own family. Some attacks are direct attacks by others. Other attacks are indirect. Satan messes with your mind. Has the devil ever messed with your mind? My hand is up. There's three of us, okay? The devil messes with your mind. He discourages you. You're headed trying to do something you know God wants you to do. And it's not working out so well, and he'll discourage you. He'll distract you with other less important things. There's things in your life that aren't necessarily bad, but they'll distract you from the most important things. Some people in our society will entertain themselves for hours and hours and hours days a week, and yet neglect the important things in life. Sometimes the attacks will drive people to be depressed. To think that they're not really accomplishing anything in their lives because they're being attacked. Thousands of people drop out of church every year in St. Louis alone. They succumb to these attacks. Stand, stand strong. Don't be discouraged. Keep on serving God. Keep your eye on his dream. Remember that God is in control. And so things weren't looking so good for Joseph right now. But God was in control. And when you and your dream are being attacked, when it seems like there's no way out, remember God is still in control. Nobody can do anything that God doesn't allow. No situation will happen in your life that's outside of God's sovereign control. God will protect your life. So let's see what is going to happen with Joseph. His very brothers are conspiring to kill him. It sounds like an airtight plan. What happened next? 
verse 21. Then Reuben, which is Joseph's oldest brother, he's the eldest brother. Reuben heard this, that they were, his brothers were going to kill him, and he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the desert, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. And so Reuben, we don't understand exactly how all this happened, but apparently the other brothers were plotting, and Reuben didn't hear the plot till a little bit later. And when Reuben heard it, he intervened. He convinced his brothers to throw Joseph into the cistern. Well, what was a cistern? A cistern was carved into rock in those days. It, it looked like a bottle. It had a narrow opening at the top and it went wider at the bottom. It was to collect rainwater and things. And so people, the water would collect in the bottom of the cistern. People would lower down pitchers and draw the water out. Now this particular cistern was dry, but once you fell into a cistern, there was no way out. I mean, there was no way you could climb out or claw out and eventually you would die down there from starvation, thirst, or who knows what kind of vermin and snakes and stuff would live in those things. I don't think it was a nice place to be in. And so that was just another way to kill him, that they didn't have to see him murdered. And so that's the brother said, okay, let's, let's do that. Now Reuben's motivation was he was going to go back when the other brothers left and pull Joseph out. He was going to rescue him. Now think what must have been going through Joseph's mind as he lay in the bottom of that cistern. His brothers had thrown him in. He knew they hated him. I'm sure they said some things as they threw him in that were not very nice. And he knew if nothing happened, he would die in the bottom of that cistern. He didn't know what Reuben was thinking. And yet I believe that somehow Joseph knew that God was in control. Somehow when he was in the bottom of that cistern, those dreams that he had came back to his mind. And he began to pray and say, God, somehow I believe you're going to rescue me. Somehow you're going to protect me. Somehow you're going to cause these dreams to come to pass. God, I can't do anything right here. It's all up to you. I believe he trusted God and God protected his life. He was still alive. He was in the bottom of a cistern, but he was still alive. He used his oldest brother, Reuben. And God directed the next step for Joseph. And God will always give us a next step. Talk about that in a minute. And so the brothers, it says in verse 25, they were sitting down to eat their meal. They looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. His brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. And so Reuben was away, and as his brothers were eating lunch, on the horizon they see a caravan of camels coming. And they go over to see who these people were, and they find out these camels are going to Egypt. It's a band of Ishmaelites. Now, was this a coincidence? It just happened. 
I mean, was this a super freeway and camels were going back and forth all the time? No, I don't think so. It was God's providence. God was directing Joseph's next step. Now, this step, Joseph had nothing to do in except to trust God. I mean, he didn't cause those camels to go past. God did. God was going to protect Joseph in Egypt. For those of you who know your Bible, where was Jesus protected when they were out to kill him? It was in Egypt, but that's beside the point here. But God was going to protect Joseph in Egypt. He was going to prepare him to fulfill the dream. And so God arranged for that caravan to come by just at the right time. He caused the brothers to, to have this thought rather than killing him, leaving him here to rot in the cistern. Let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. And so Judah convinced his brothers to sell him as a slave. And the caravan went to Egypt. And they sold Joseph again to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials. And we're going to continue the exciting story next Sunday in a message called Resisting Temptation. You know the story, it's going to be interesting. So let's think now a little more about Joseph. He's in captivity. He's a slave. He's headed for a foreign country, Egypt, a place he'd never been in before. A place he knew virtually nothing about. And probably everything he knew about Egypt was negative. It was a pagan culture. How could the dreams of his brothers and his family bowing down to him ever be fulfilled? I mean, for all he knew, he'd never see them again. Everything he knew was going away. And he had nothing to say about it. He was bound. He was a slave. And how was Joseph dealing with his emotions towards his brothers? How would you feel towards your brothers if they'd done such a thing to you? And yet somehow, God was still in control. And we'll see how it all worked out. Let's think today about our own lives. What's your dream in life? What has God given you to do in your life? Is that dream being attacked? Is it, is it difficult? Does it seem as though it may never be fulfilled? You know, today a lot of people are struggling financially. You know God wants you to provide for your family. You know God wants you to give a tithe to the church, but the budget doesn't seem to add up. It doesn't seem to make sense. But God is in control. Trust Him. Be faithful in what He instructs you to do, and He will bless your life. Maybe you've lost your job or you're worried that you might. Possibly your job isn't going well. Don't be discouraged. Nothing is out of God's control. God will direct your steps as you entrust your life to Him. For the believer, there's always a next step. When God closes one door, be looking for the open door because He's going to open another door. There's always a next step because God has a dream for your life. And as you follow Him in it, it's going to come to pass. With God, all things are possible. He is in control. And so today we've looked at the first major attack on Joseph and God's dream for his life. And as this story unfolds, we'll see that this very attack, which seemed very negative, was part of God's plan to fulfill his dream for Joseph's life. It wasn't a mistake. It didn't surprise God. 
And we learn from Joseph's example to be faithful where we're at. Don't be discouraged by attacks on your life, by apparent setbacks. Expect them. They're going to happen. And God knows about it, and he's got the way forward. He's got the next step for you. God is in control. Trust God with your dream. Don't try to carry it on your own shoulders. You can't do it on your own strength and in your own power. But with God's help, your dream will be fulfilled. With God, nothing is impossible. Now, in order to have a God-given dream for your life and to see it fulfilled, the first dream that God has for your life, the reason he created this earth and created people as he wants you to have a relationship with him. That's God's first and primary dream for your life, that you have a relationship with God. And to begin that relationship, I'm going to tell you how. And perhaps this morning you've fallen away and you don't feel that close to God. I'd encourage you to recommit your life to him this morning. To have that relationship with God, which is God's primary dream for your life. First of all, you need to admit that you've sinned. And you've been following your own dreams for your life. That's what people do. They follow their own dreams for their life. It's not God's dream. It's, it's what they think is best. And the Bible calls that sin. Secondly, believe that Jesus came to this earth. He died on the cross. And took our sins upon himself that we might be forgiven. And that we might follow his dream for our lives. And commit your life to him. Commit your life to Jesus as your Lord. That means following him and his dream for your life. So let's bow our heads right now and we're going to pray. I encourage you just to pray in your own heart, in your own mind. Agree with me as I pray. God knows what you're thinking and he will meet you there. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've been doing what I wanted to do in life and, and many of those things are not what you want me to do. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, took my sins upon himself, paid the price, paid the penalty for those sins that I might be forgiven. And three days later, he rose from the dead. Jesus, come into my life. Take control of my life. Be my Lord and Savior. I commit myself to following you and your word and your dream for my life. From this day forward, I pray. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do. I look forward to what you have for me in this life and the next. And for those who are believers today, let's pray and ask God to help us as well. Father, today we thank you for your word. We thank you for this story of someone who lived thousands of years ago, a man of faith named Joseph. And we thank you for how you guided his life to fulfill your dream for it. Help us to be faithful where you've placed us in life today at this time. May we be men and women of integrity, men and women of character, who seek to follow you in everything we do. And God, when apparent setbacks or attacks happen, may our faith remain strong. May we keep our trust in, in you. May we remember that you are in control. Nothing is out of control as long as we're walking with you. 
And as we follow you, God, we pray that you would fulfill your dreams for our lives. We pray that you would fulfill your dreams for our families. We pray that you would fulfill your dream for this church. Show us, God, how to encourage each other to fulfill your dreams for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.